This is Small Business as Usual, a program about the art of operating small enterprises and the issues faced by the owners. It's a presentation of the Community Economic Development Fund in Meriden, Connecticut. I'm Frederick Welk, a business advisor for CEDF clients. The Community Economic Development Fund is a nonprofit lender providing financing to qualified small businesses in Connecticut that can't obtain traditional bank financing. More about CEDF at the end of the program. This episode is about organization. It's said that success in business is a matter of not just doing things right, but doing the right things. Getting organized is assuredly a challenge in both our personal and business lives, apparently more for some people than others, but I found one of my clients has developed a formula that not only works for him, but for his coaching clients too. My name is Bob Walsh. I am the CEO of the Connecticut Institute of Finance and Sound Coaching Inc., uh, two separate companies that kind of lean on each other and work together very, very closely. They complement each other. So on the Connecticut Institute of Finance uh, side, we do tax preparation, tax planning, and financial planning. We do insurance. We're a full-service financial shop. On the sound coaching side, we do business coaching and we do personal coaching. We also run a coaching academy where we teach people to be coaches. If I had to sum up what we do in all three layers, our theme in our business is basically making our clients, whether it's a business owner or an individual, healthy, wealthy, and wise. I asked Bob to explain the organizational challenges he feels clients experience and what he sees as the biggest mistakes business owners fall into. The first thing is, and, and we always kid around a little bit about this, but you know, an entrepreneur or a small business person is the only person in the world who will work 80 hours so he doesn't have to work 40. They put a lot of time and energy into the business, and it really comes from why they're coming into the business. Entrepreneurs usually come into a business for one of three reasons. The first is there's a true entrepreneur. I want to start something new. I want to build something that's my own. Fun to work with, a little dangerous. They don't really have the practical knowledge of how to run a business. Sometimes they're missing some of the skills of running the business. And they have the dream, but there's not there's usually not been a lot of work put into on how am I actually going to make this dream go through. The practical side is kind of missing, okay, which is fine. We can work with those people. The second type of person, which is usually the worst, is the true technician. You know, it's the plumber, it's the electrician, even the lawyer who is basically working for somebody else. And we'll say, take an example, a plumber, you know, he's making, he's getting paid $25, $30 an hour as a plumber, but he knows his boss is billing him out at $160 an hour. And his attitude is, my boss is an idiot. I can do this and I should bill $160 an hour. So he says, that's it. I'm going to start my own business. But what he's not taking into consideration is the office, paying salaries, marketing, getting the new clients. You know, these are all things that are playing in that he's not taking any consideration on. So they try to start that business and they're really starting at a deficit. I actually find the easiest entrepreneur to work with is the one who's forced into being an entrepreneur. So again, take an example of a plumber. You know, so this is a plumber who lost his job, needs to make money. He's a little humbler, and he's going into the business more with open eyes to figure out how to do it to actually make money. There's many ways to go into a business and start a business, start organizing the business, and you know, on standing operating procedures and the, basically the three different hats all business people use. It's really the entrepreneur, 
It's the technician and the manager. But these three aspects that every entrepreneur, every business owner has to really grasp, we're going to be good at some and less good at some of the other things. And it takes a little time to work these through. And it's that organizational part and grasping what they actually have to do and be willing to do all the things that they have to do. Not working uh, in the business all the time, just working in the business, and never stepping back and working on the business. They're so short-term in their view and what they're trying to do that they basically can be, without even realizing, spending a lot more money than they're bringing in. They can be basically driving their business down to nothing because they just don't stop, breathe a little bit, look at the business, and treat the business as something separate from themselves. They're so busy doing the day-to-day stuff that they don't look at what's going to happen next week. Striking the right balance to achieve efficiency and success is not an easy thing especially when there are conflicts raging inside the head of a business owner. I asked Bob about the focus required to make all this work. So in finding your Zen, another way to say that would be uh, finding your balance. There's different types of balances will work, and I'll I'll address two here. Uh, One is the actual balance of the different roles that we play as an entrepreneur. So we have the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur wants to make things new, right? He wants to create. He wants to grow the business. He's excited. You know, that's the part of us that started the business and why we went into business for ourselves. They're fun to work with. They're wonderful. And then we have the technician. The technician is the person who loves what he actually does. It's the medical work the doctor does, okay? It's the the electrical work the electrician does. It's the actual physical work. And then you have the manager. Well, the manager hates both those people because the manager, if it's not broke, please don't fix it. Let's just work things out, get things done. And these three are in conflict, but it's all in your one person. So the entrepreneur wants to always change things, move things over. The manager basically says, no, leave things alone. Let's just make things run so we can get things done. And the technician, and it's like, I don't care about either of those guys. I just want to do the work. And the problem with this is this conflict and this balance, you have to actually have a little bit of zen about this so it actually kind of all harmonizes. The other one we have with entrepreneurs, the entrepreneur or the entrepreneur's wife or spouse, okay, you're going to find that work-life balance. People look at the work-life balance as almost a scale. If I do more at work, I'm taking away from home. If I do more at home, I'm taking away from work. That's a fallacy. In reality, it really has to be almost like a duet. It has to be in harmony. It's like music. When you have two people singing together, one doesn't sing and then the other one sings. When they're singing together, they have to harmonize. If you're dancing with somebody, one person doesn't dance and you stop and the other person dance, you move together. You have to actually look at it not as one versus the other, you know, more weight, less weight type of scale, but a balance in that it actually moves together and works together in the same focus. Bob speaks from personal experience about the difficulty in achieving balance. This led him to create his own formula for how he carefully expends time, and he thinks it can help other business owners, too. I am a recovering workaholic. I love what I do. I get to meet interesting people, have great conversations. I make a really good living at doing it. And if you give me a chance, I would never go home. So I developed something to kind of make a little bit more balance for me, and I call it Let's Time. Nike has Just Do It, I have Let's Do It. Let stands for L, which is your living time. So this is a time as a kind of metaphor and analogy that you would put on your tombstone. Because I'm sure you wouldn't put on your tombstone. I wish I spent more time helping people fill out forms, right? This is not what you would do. That would not go on your tombstone. But what might go on your tombstone as a regret is I wish I spent more time spending traveling with my wife. I wish I spent more time listening to good music. I wish I spent more time with my children, reading good books, whatever makes you happy, playing golf, fishing, it doesn't really matter. But this is the time that you would put on that tombstone as that regret if you didn't do enough of it. 
The thing about L time, it's what we work for. It's what we value our lives on. It's the most important things in our life. It's the soul of our life, for the lack of a better term. The thing about L time is I'll ask people, look, name me the top 10 days of your life. And if not nine out of 10 of them, it's 10 out of 10 of them, are gonna be days that they're anticipated or planned for. You don't wake up on a Tuesday morning with nothing really planned and go to bed Tuesday night and say, wow, that was one of the best days of my life. It doesn't happen that way, okay? Now, unfortunately, a lot of our worst days happen that way, right? You get the phone call, you know, Johnny died, you know, mom passed away. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna get those type of phone calls. But if you want basically more L time in your life, you need to plan for it. You need to write it down. You need to basically take that time out and schedule it so and anticipate it so you can do things. It will make you more effective and have you have a happier life. The next part of LETS, L-E-T-S, right, is your E-time. Now, we call that your entrepreneurial time. Now, this is for businesses and it works. It also works if you're not an entrepreneur and you're just working for, you know, for somebody else. It's basically you being an entrepreneur in your own life. So this is where we look at all the things that are working in our life and all the things that are not working. Quite simply, we want to do more of the things that are working and do less of the things that are not working. Okay, and E-time is where we examine our life and see what's working. You can't fix the holes in the boat unless you know where the holes are. So this is where we look at those things and actually try to make improvements. This is what we talked about before. This is when we, in our businesses even, we do this in our personal life, but in our businesses, right, this is where we basically work on the business, not in the business. This is where we work on our lives, not just doing the things in our lives. Tea time is the opposite of that. That's working in our lives. That's your technician time. So that's the plumbing the plumber does. It's basically define that time. If you don't do it, it just doesn't get done. So it's going food shopping, it's changing the baby's diapers, it's preparing meals, it's going to work, it's coming home, it's cleaning out the gutters, all those things that you have to do. We basically spend a lot of time with our clients, business and personal, to try to make them as productive as they possibly can. So I'm a little bit of a time Nazi. And what I encourage my clients to do, is, which I think is very, very powerful, is planning out their week in great detail. Now, what I do personally is I basically plan out my week in 15-minute increments. Now, not for work. I have other people who do that for me here. They schedule my whole day, and I'm busy all day. Uh, scariest thing in here for anybody in here, Bob's not busy. But every 15-minute increment of every waking hour when I'm not here, I plan on a Sunday to the following Sunday. This makes you a lot more effective for planning your L time or basically doing better T time. So, for example, how many times if you plan a project on a Saturday morning? And let's say, for example, you want to, you know, power wash the deck. So you get up at 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning. You go outside, you go to the garage, you get all the stuff you think you need. And you realize, oh, wow, I forgot this, this, and this. So now you have to get in the car, drive to Home Depot. It's 20 minutes to Home Depot. Half hour, 20 minutes in Home Depot. It'll be 20 minutes home, but now you're kind of getting hungry. So we'll stop for a breakfast sandwich and start, you know, having a conversation with somebody, and all of a sudden you get home around 11, 11.30, and start starting your garage at 7 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning, you're starting at noon. Well, if you planned out that you're going to the garage, you could also put in for 15 minutes that on Tuesday, you'll go to the garage and make sure you have all you need, because on Wednesday, you know you're dropping off the dry cleaning, and if you didn't have what you need, Home Depot is across the street, and we could pick it up then, and it's a lot more efficient. It's little tweaks that you can do in your life to make you a lot more efficient at getting what you want to done. And just quickly on the entertainment side, you wake up on a Sunday morning, you have a nice day off with the wife. 
And the wife comes downstairs, you're having a cup of coffee, maybe reading the paper. And the wife says, what do you want to do today? And you say, I don't know. What do you want to do today? And you go back and forth. And by the time you decide what you kind of want to do today, we're like, maybe go to the zoo or go to the city. It's too late. But if you decided the week before that, hey, Sunday, what are we going to do? Well, let's go to the zoo on Sunday. Well, you get up at 9 o'clock morning, you get the kids out of the house, you go out, you have a great time, and you plan for it, and things are better. It eliminates, by doing this, I'm really working on your tea time, it makes you a lot more productive, and it eliminates the last type of time that we want to talk about. You squandered a waste of time. Now, I watch TV. I think everybody watches TV. And I can even tell you watching, for example, Games of Thrones is L time for me. I love that show. Watching the Giants beat the Patriots would definitely be the L time for me. But I schedule what TV time I'm going to watch, and I make it sure it's really things that I want to do. Rather than sitting on the couch, flipping through 145 channels, because nothing's really on, and at the end of two and a half, three hours, I don't even know what I watched, because I was just flipping through channels. Rather than maybe going upstairs and reading Harry Potter to my kid, or maybe listening to some great music, or going for a walk with my wife, or doing something a little creative, or do something maybe for the community, or for the world itself, and making it a better place. So it's a way to basically categorize your time, and a way to live that you're more productive, and you can actually enjoy your life more. Decades ago, I ran across a career book titled, Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. Pursuing your passion isn't a bad idea for a business owner, but it can lead to trouble when the operation doesn't have the crucial mix of entrepreneur, technician, and manager roles properly covered. Bob provided an example and the solution. Doctors have a tendency not to be great business people. Why? They want to save lives. They want to work with people, and they want to basically make the person healthier. What a great calling. What a noble profession. What a wonderful thing to do. Do you really think the doctor wants to be interested in accounts receivables and accounts payable? Is the doctor really interested in marketing? Does he really want to manage the staff to find out who's going to be on Tuesday morning and who's going to be on Thursday morning? No, he doesn't want to be the manager or the owner of business. I mean, conceptually he does because he wants to own his own thing. But in his heart and soul, if he was honest with them, he doesn't want to do any of those things. Usually, it's, if he wants to do any of those things at all, it's only in response that he doesn't want somebody telling him what to do in his field of acting as a technician. They tend not to make great business people. People who love what they do as a technician tend to not to make the best managers and tend not to even make the best entrepreneurs. It's in that balance. And, you know, when you first start out, you have to be really conscious of wearing all three hats. But down the road, you should be very, very comfortable at hiring other people to do this for you or bringing partners in who can help you do this. It is a very, very powerful way to grow your business. You can't be good at everything. You know, I always tell people high school is the last place you end to do things you sucked at. So don't do things you're bad at. Find out what you're good at, what you're passionate about it, and do that. We take this attitude that you have to go from technician, that guy who's in production, to management. That's the goal. Well, maybe not. Maybe you want to hire a manager because you're really good at what you do. You know, if you're Rembrandt, you know, I don't want you managing how much paints we have in the in, in the factory. I want you to paint. So in the same sense, it's kind of knowing who you are. It's knowing what's important to you and actually doing what you want. Many thanks to Bob Walsh for sharing his approach to business organization and time management. You can learn more about Bob and his company's coaching program at soundcoachinginc.com. Thanks to Latch Swing for Music, our theme is by Orchestral Movement of 1932. Small Business as Usual is presented by the Community Economic Development Fund, a nonprofit organization which provides enterprises in Connecticut with term loans, lines of credit, and commercial mortgages when they can't get traditional bank financing. 
For the fifth year in a row, we're Connecticut's top SBA microlender. We make business term loans at very nominal interest rates, as small as a few thousand dollars, and larger business loans, too, from a pool of loan capital provided by many of the state's leading banks. There are geographic and or income qualification requirements for the borrowers. You can find out more about all of this at CEDF.com. And this episode of Small Business as Usual is available there. It's number 18-10. So, Bob, your wife has an office down the hall from you. What's that like? Fun to work with, a little dangerous, 